Good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys look good. You look good. Um, what's up? What's up? How you doing? Um, you know, uh, didn't the band do a great job? Let's give it up for that band. It takes everything that I got inside of me. Like when they're singing with everything, I'm back there standing right there. And those of you that come to church regularly, you know, I'm usually teaching, right? And, uh, and I'm standing there and everything inside of me, it, it's keeping me from like running out here and singing with them. Something else that you may not know about me, and this is going to, like some people are going to like fall out of their seats when I tell you this, but I'm a really picky eater. All right? That wasn't a joke. Way you guys huh. Not only am I a picky eater, but as I've gotten older now, you know, I've passed the 30 mark. And uh, not only am I picky with what I eat, I'm picky with where I eat, right? You know, I don't know, I don't know what it is. And, and lately, not only am I picky with what I eat or where I eat, I'm picky with who's serving me my food, all right? When I go to a restaurant, it, it affects me like the person that actually brings the food and puts it on the table. And, um, you know, my wife gets mad at me all the time. And uh, the other day, uh, we're, we're at a restaurant, and I order, like, one of my favorite dishes. I was really looking forward to eating this, and I have been talking about it for a while. We're, we're sitting at the table, and uh, the, the waitress comes and puts the food on the table, and my wife's eating. She's, like, halfway done with her plate. And she looks at me, and I haven't eaten anything. I haven't drank anything. I'm, like, playing with my food. Like, everything that your parents tell you not to do. I'm, like, you know, building little things with my, with my food. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing. She's like, you haven't eaten anything. And I'm like, you know, at that, I know what's going to happen, you know, so I'm like, and she's like, what is it? Is it because she's missing a tooth? And I'm like, yes. You know, and she's like, she's like, what does that have to do with anything? You're crazy. And I'm like, honey, like, I don't know if that tooth fell out and it's in my food. You know, and now I'm eating, and then in the middle of this meal, I'm going to be like, ah, oh, nasty, you know. Or I don't know, like, before she came out of those little double doors, if she was like, you know, sticking her finger in between that gap. And, 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 and some of you have already diagnosed me with some type of disorder, you know, and, and, and I admit it, there, there is something wrong with me. I, I am not denying that. And I have nothing against, if you're missing a few teeth, don't worry about it. I have nothing against you. My daughter doesn't have one tooth, and I'm crazy about her. Alright, so don't be offended. It's, it's a problem. It's me. It's not you. I'm sure someone's told a girl that before. Right? Or a girl's told a guy that before. Or you've heard it. Been told to you before. And yes, alright, the truth is, there's stuff that I don't like. And there's stuff that you don't like. Maybe for you, you like people to serve your food that are missing teeth. But you don't like dogs. Right? Or, or you don't like cats. Some of you don't like Hialeah. And I don't understand that because I love Hialeah. You know, I was born there. When I drive through the streets of my city, you know, I, I feel energized. The smell of Cuban coffee, you know. You know, it's, it's revitalizing, you know, when, when uh, people are driving cacharros down the street. You know, I, I love it. You know, some of you don't like Chinese food. You don't like minivans. There's no way I'm going to drive a minivan. I hate minivans. I said that until I got one. Now I love minivans. And uh, there's people who don't like roller coasters. I don't understand that. I love roller coasters. When I go to Universal Studios and, and I'm with a group of people and we're about to get on a ride and, and I see like two or three, you're not going to ride the Hulk? What's wrong with you? You know? I like fish. I like to eat fish. I like to watch fish. 
I like to see fish jumping out of the water. I like to go snorkeling. I love fish. There's people that don't like fish. I don't understand that. You know what I don't like? I don't like cake. Another shocker. And I don't like Italian food. So you can imagine how excited I was this year. On my birthday, when I walk into my house and everybody yells, surprise. And right there on my dining room table, all right, my dining room table is a large cake and a tray of baked ziti. I was surprised, all right. I was surprised it was my birthday. Honey, I know you're watching me in the parent-child room. Please grab your pen, take the pen top off, and write this down. For my birthday next year, I want a porterhouse steak, mac and cheese, and a key lime pie. Okay? <laughs> Maybe I mentioned something that you don't like. Maybe I didn't. Maybe some of you have officially, you've written it on your outline, Mark is out of his mind. The truth is this, there's going to be stuff in life that you love, and there's going to be things in life that you hate. But the problem is this, it's not when you hate something, it's when you hate someone. See, the problem comes when we shift that hatred or, or that dislike to people. And here's the thing, we live in a culture where relationships have become disposable. We hang out with someone for a while and then, you know, they do something we don't like or they start dressing funny and we're like, drop it like it's hot, you know. Someone hurts our feelings and it's like, there's no way I'm going to, yeah, it's over. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. You don't like the way she cut her hair and you dump her. You don't like the way that he's been talking or treating you or you notice a mole or something and it's gone. And you know what? In the beginning when God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you know one of the things that he created man for? He created us to love people. And to use things. But after the fall, one sin came into the picture. Now, we're a society that loves things and does what? Uses people. See, when Jesus was here on earth, some of the religious freaks, you know, that were always bugging him and testing him and trying to get him to mess up, they walk up to him one day and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, they're trying to trick him and Jesus says this, it's found in Matthew 22. It says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Why didn't Jesus just stop at love God with all your heart, soul, and your mind? Because loving people is like right next to it. It's like the next best thing. You can't be a Christian and just say, I love God, but I hate people. You know, don't call me. Don't knock on my door. Don't text me. I just, I don't like being around them. You know, like the old man and up, you know. I don't want no one to talk to me. Don't knock on my door. I don't want your Girl Scout cookies. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that we need to love God and we need to love others. That's the first filling in your outline. Love God and love others. Congratulations. That is the Ten Commandments. If you do that, you are obeying the Ten Commandments. And today, as we continue in our series through the book of Romans, the series that we're calling Inside Out, where we're asking God, God, change me. But don't just change me on the outside. Change me from the inside out. We're going to take an in-depth look at Romans 12 verses 9 through 21, and I believe in these 12 verses lies the key to healthy relationships.
If you want to have a long-lasting marriage, long-lasting relationship with your kids, with your friends, with the people around you, I want you to open your Bibles, Romans chapter 12. I want you to grab your pen, take that pen cap off, get your outline, and get ready for God to speak to you this morning. And before we begin reading, I want all of us, nice and loud, to say this with me. Say it out loud. Say, God, I am ready for you to speak to me. Amen. Let's begin reading verse 9. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. The New Living Translation says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And you know, we've all had moments in our life when we've been forced to smile. Forced to like someone. You know, your wife's like, hey, I know this person's going to be there. Please be nice. Okay? Or maybe you're having dinner with your wife. You hadn't been able to be alone with her for a while. You're going to a restaurant. The kids are with the in-laws. And all of a sudden, that person that you don't want to see is there. And they walk up to your table. And in your mind, you're thinking, for the love of God, can I have some peace? Can I have some privacy? And under the table, your wife's like kicking you and giving you that don't be a jerk look. You know, guys, you know what I'm talking about. You know, that look. And we know what she's thinking. God is saying, you know what? Don't be a hypocrite. Be genuine. And that doesn't mean, all right, so that means I could be a jerk. No. Love them, man. Ask God to give you the strength to love them. We continue reading. It says, abhor what is evil. Abhor, what does that mean? We don't use that word. I, I've never used that word like in everyday language. If we go back to the original Greek, Paul is telling us to treat evil. Watch out. Treat evil like if it was a cow pie. Cow pie, what is that? We live in the city, Mark. It's not this. Let me give you a clue. It's not that. All right, a cow pie. Those of you that live in Miami Lakes may have seen one or smelled one. All right, it's a pile of cow poop. God is saying, treat evil like a pile of cow poop. No one walks by a cow po- a pile of cow poop. Let me be careful. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Right? And, and kind of scoops it up and throws it into a bucket. Right? No one does that. And says, you know what, I want to take it home because I want to bring this scent back home with me. Or no one says, you know what, I'm going to bottle it up and pass it out so that all my friends could, could have a little bit of it. No one does that. And, and as I was looking for this picture on the internet on Friday, um, you know that uh, some people do. I found this website that makes cow pie clocks. Check it out. Alright, so now if you want to bring a little bit of cow pie to your house or... You know, you're thinking of, what am I going to get my father-in-law for Christmas? <laughs> Cowpieclocks.com. Here's a woman holding up a cow pie. Can you please agree with me that that is disgusting? Can I have an amen? amen. That is nasty. Alright? That is abhorrent. Alright? Now we have something to use that word for. It is abhorrent. In Romans 16, a little couple chapters ahead, Paul says this, I, don't, I want you to understand what is good. And don't have anything to do with evil. Don't have anything to do with it. We keep reading in Romans 12. Cling to what is good. Be kind and affectionate to one another. With brotherly love. In in honoring, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. If you pause there and give me your attention, right here the Apostle Paul is telling you and me, Christians, how we need to treat each other. Paul's talking to the church here, to the body of Christ, and he's saying, this is how you must treat one another. you got to be diligent. you got to be focused. you got to have a purpose. 
You know, don't lose sight of what your calling is to love your brother and to love your sister in Christ. Be fervent in spirit. What does that mean? That means to be on fire for God, to be passionate in your worship. And then here, some people are going to screech when they hear this, serving the Lord. And it's not just serving the Lord like anywhere. Serving the Lord as a body. That means serving the Lord in your local church. Be involved with what God is doing here. You know how I got on this stage and how I started leading worship at this church? Because one day, I was in my early 20s, and I was sitting just like you on the other side, enjoying the service, you know, worshiping. And then as soon as the service was over, all right, see you next week, I was like, out the door. All right, I said hello to a couple people, and I ran. And I got out of here. And you know one of the reasons why I would run out of church is because Bob and a couple of the leaders in the church knew that I could sing. And I knew that the moment that they would corner me, the first thing that they would ask me, hey, why don't you join the worship team? You know? And so I was like out the door. And one day God grabbed me and went, bam, and body slammed me and said, it's about time that you get involved in what I'm doing here. You know why it's so important to be involved with what God is doing in your local church? Because the church is the hope of the world. You know how the world is going to hear about Jesus? Through the church. God is going to use us to reach a world that's hurting, to reach a world that is lost. And if we're not involved, we're disobeying God. We're disobeying the will of God. And here's the good news. Guys, you can get connected right now and become involved with what God is doing here at Calvary Fellowship. And yeah, in the middle of the message, pull out your connection card. And on the back of this card, you can get involved with what God is doing here. You've been coming here for a while. You've been running out the door. As soon as service is over, get involved. It's not enough to just say, I do a couple good things outside of the church. No, we need to be involved with what God is doing here. And it's not because the church needs help. It's because we need it. You know that some of my best friends are people that I met when I was a part of the first setup team in this church. When I was a part of the first teardown team in this church. When I was a part of the backup singers in this church. My best friends are people that I met here while I was serving God. And when, you know what, when my father died, you know what the first people that called me after my family and stuff? My brothers and sisters that sweat next to me in this church. You know where I met my wife? While I was serving God. You know where Pastor John met his wife? While he was serving God. If you're single and you're wondering why you're single, you know what? Get involved with what God is doing here and meet an awesome person. Get involved and serve God. We continue. It says, rejoicing in hope, patient in times of trouble. It says, don't stop praying together, not alone in your room, together with your brothers and your sisters. Distributing to the needs of the saints. What does that mean? That means that there's a bunch of people here in your church, brothers and sisters in Christ, that are hurting, people that have lost their jobs, even in this economy. So when you go to Publix next time, you do your groceries, you know what? Get a 25 or $50 gift certificate. And if you know someone that's hurting, say, hey, you know what? In private, don't make a spectacle. And say, hey, you know what? God bless you. There's kids that probably don't even have their school supplies for school that's starting in a couple weeks. You know what? Reach out and love someone. And the only way that you're going to know who's hurting is when you're involved, when you're part of a growth group, when you're serving here at the church. Be given to hospitality. What does that really mean? It means be a hospital for the hurting. Be a hospital for the lonely. Be a hospital for the bleeding. You and your family. Basically what we're learning here, God is telling you, put others first. Verse 10 says, giving preference to one another. But you know what? You know what the problem is and why it's hard for us? Man, it's hard for me. It's because that's not what we're taught. 
That's not what society teaches us. That's not what people teach their kids. You know, when you have kids, a lot of people, they have kids, and you know what? They want them to be number one. They want them to be the best. A lot of people are like this. Check this out. Uh, taking over the pageant world, so to speak, she was basically discovered. Miss Wood, you need it on the 75. Recently, we have been uh, Good Morning America three times. We've been on Nightline. We've uh, done the Insider. My name is Eden, and I'm four years old, and I'm a pageant superstar. Looky there, looky there. You better frame that one. Yes, she does get recognized. Yes, she has been asked for her autograph. An autograph. Is that mine? Oh, it's your yeah. autograph. Thanks. Cool. Now I can't even remember how to spell my name. I am Heather Ryan. I'm Nikki and Eden's manager. I don't think that Eden is just a little pageant star. I think she's a star. She has that extra it factor that you don't always see in every child. She's so much more than just a pageant kid. We want her to be doing more movies and more commercials, and her clothing line needs to be about her. Mickey doesn't penny pinch when it comes to pageant stuff. Now, she's spent enough on wardrobe and pictures to pretty much feed every child in Botswana. Probably around sixty-five or $70,000. Whoa. That's extreme. I got to admit it. That is extreme. But from the moment we have kids, one of our biggest desires is for them to be successful, for them to be happy. But somewhere, somehow, sin creeps in. And it's no longer about them being happy and successful. Now it's, I want my kid to be the smartest. I want my kid to be the best. He has to be smarter than my friend's kids. He has to be, he has to be the best. I remember when I was a kid and, and I was in school and people would talk about their parents. And I think everyone in this room has experienced this. You know, you're telling a story about how your dad took you fishing. And you're like, oh, this weekend I went fishing with my dad. I had so much fun. And then the kid's like, oh, I went fishing with my dad. And he has a 50-foot boat. And we went out and we caught the largest fish ever, you know. And then another kid's like, well, my dad, he likes going fishing. And our boat's 100 feet. And he doesn't use fishing rods. He just jumps in the water, wrestles white sharks, and pulls the fish out of his mouth. Right? And it just keeps growing and growing. Who's ever, like, been part of one of those conversations? Maybe, like, first grade or second grade. You know, you think your dad's Superman. I did. You know, actually, speaking of that, when I was in third grade, there was a kid that swore that his dad could fly. All right? And so we get to school, like, what you do this weekend? Oh, you know, I went to Denny's. And then, you know, hung out at the park. He's like, oh, I went to Denny's too, but my dad flew me there. You know, they're like, oh, but I went to the park. Oh, I went to, I went to the park too. And then it started to rain. And then my dad grabbed all the little kids that were in the park and he flew them all home. I remember watching his dad get to school and I'm like, is he a little bit off the ground? Is he at least levitating? You know, no one ever saw his dad fly, but he could swear that his dad would fly. And eventually we grow out of that. You know, we, we, we realize that our parents can't fly and they're not the greatest and all that stuff, but then eventually we have our own kids, right? And if you're a parent, you've been a part of one of these conversations. You're telling someone at work, oh, you know, my one-year-old kid just started, you know, walking and he says like 10 words and, and it's so exciting to see him grow. And then there's someone like, oh, my kid's 10 months and, you know, he does jumping jacks and he knows how to read and write and all this stuff. And, and you're like, 
dude, I can't get one in on this guy. Every time I talk about my kids, I'm sharing, he jumps in and it's like his kid is like, you know, you know, uh, whatever, wonder boy, you know. And, and here's the thing. Being competitive is great. Being competitive is awesome. But there's a deeper issue that's sown into our hearts. And for many of us, it began when we were kids. You didn't like sharing, right? And your parents didn't say anything about it. And then, you know, they told you that if someone hits you, hit them back. And this is a popular one. This is one that I heard when I was growing up. You know, don't get into a fight, but don't stay hit. You know, if someone hits you, you hit them back. And the problem is that this attitude, it doesn't stay in the playground. Honestly, what kind of a teenager do you think Eden Wood is going to be? Think about it. I mean, I could be wrong. But today we see a bunch of adults that are completely out of control. And that's because when they were kids, they were told, you're number one, you're the best, you're better than her, you're prettier than her, you're bigger than her, you're smarter than her. And you know what that means in the mind of a four-year-old innocent child That means that everyone comes second or third. And then they grow up and they're completely out of control. About a year ago, I started to see some of these symptoms in my own kids. My two-year-old and my three-year-old fighting over toys. No, that's mine. That's mine. Not wanting to share. You know, and I have an awesome family and I love them. Some of them are probably here. You know, they love my kids. They treat my kids great. And it's it's great to, to raise your kids up in a loving family. But something that happens a lot in my house is when people come to visit, everyone shows up with toys and with presents and with gifts for my kids. And so you know what happens when daddy gets home from work and he opens the door? My kids are like, where are my presents? Did you bring us any toys? And all I want is like a hug, like, Papi, we missed you. And it's like, you didn't buy us anything? And then they like run away and they don't want to talk to me. You know, and, and this stuff's going on in my house, and it was troubling me. And I, I talked to my wife one night, and I'm like, honey, our kids have so much stuff. You know, you know that there's kids that don't have as much as our kids have. Kids that don't have a TiVo, that don't have loving grandparents like our kids have. That our biggest problem is, like, where are we going to stick the stuff that people keep giving them? Is there any way that we could give back? And then in January, after Christmas, I'm talking to my wife again about this, and And then I I bring Caleb in on the conversation. He was three at the time. And I'm like, hey, Caleb. And he comes in. She's like, oh, yeah, but our kids don't understand. You know, and and she, and then they probably don't understand everything, but you could talk to them. And I'm like, hey, Caleb, do you love mommy and poppy? And he's like, yes, poppy, real much. And I love when he says that. You know, I don't even correct him when he says that. He's like, real much, poppy. And I'm like, do you know that there's boys and girls that are really sad because they don't have a mommy and a poppy? And you could see his face beginning to get sad. And he's like, I want to make them happy. He goes, I'm going to make funny faces. And he starts making some funny faces at me. And and then I'm like, how about if we do something bigger? How about if we throw them a party? He's like, yeah, I want to bring them to Monkey Joe's. And Monkey Joe's is like this little kid's park thing. And, uh, And I'm like, oh, that's great. How about if for your birthday, we share your birthday with them? You know? And it's not just about you, but it's about all these kids. And what we did, we called the local orphanage, and we invited 40 little orphan kids around their age. And those kids came, and they, I wanted to bring them somewhere where they had never gone. And they got lost. They were like 20 minutes late, because they had never been there. The bus drivers had never driven these kids there. And these 40 kids came, and Caleb shared his fourth birthday with them, a four-year-old kid. You know, and my son loves to run and jump and play and unwrap gifts. He doesn't even play with them. He just loves ripping them open. And that day at the end of the party, 
He was there with his friends and our friends. And, and actually the day before, we spent the day wrapping gifts that we had bought and the people had given us. And then at the end of the party, Caleb, and I had never seen my son happier than that day. Caleb walked to each one of those kids and hugged them. He said, I love you. And he gave them a present. A wrap gift. And I was so touched and so moved that day. And honestly, the joy that my son had in his eyes, I'd never seen it on a bounce house, in a park, never. And I don't tell you this story so you can think, Mark, you're the greatest dad ever. I'm not. I want to borrow a line from the Apostle Paul when he said, I am the chief of sinners and I stand before you today and I say, I am the chief of sinners. And here's the thing, I constantly, I'm asking myself, is what I'm teaching my kids today going to make them happy right now? Or is it going to make them happy when they're 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old? Or am I just being lazy and I just want them to be quiet and I just give them whatever I want? See, today many of us are struggling when it comes to relationships. And I believe that God can redeem what we have been taught by our society. God can redeem what we've been taught by our coaches, what we've been taught by our friends, what we've been taught by teachers, and sadly, even innocently, by our parents. They were trying to do what they thought was best for us, but it has affected us. It has hurt us deeply. And I believe today, as we continue reading in Romans 12, God is going to teach us how He wants us to treat people. Romans 12, verse 14, it says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Don't set your mind on high things. When was the last time you heard that in school? But associate with humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So many people love to just talk about how smart they are. And, and this is how I live my life. And this is how I... Don't be smart in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible... As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy's hungry, don't let him starve to death. Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Many people are thinking, Mark, that's the talk of the insane. You know, that, that, that's, not, that's not applicable in this day and age. You know, that's, that's not rational in the, in the world that we live in. This is a dog-eat-dog world. If you hurt me, I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to hang out with people that I love, that treat me good, that make me feel good, you know, because things are different. You know, that was before the internet, Mark. That, that was like, you know, in Jesus' time when people were walking around barefoot. We live in 2011. It's different. And that's not what God is teaching us today. That's not God's desire for us. This is God's desire for us. Matthew 5 says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For He gives His sunlight to, the, to both the evil and the good. And He sends rain on the just and on the unjust alike. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? 
There's no reward if you're just loving the people that love you back. Pull out your outline. There's a, a few things that I just want you to write down because I really want you to remember this and to make it part of your life. And, and for me, when I write things down, I remember them. And so I, I put these fill-ins in there. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. And again, something that goes completely against our nature. Repay no one evil for evil. Never take revenge. I mean, that's an absolute statement. Never take revenge. Do not let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. See, for many of us, this goes against everything that we've ever been taught. Some of you are thinking, Mark, you know, that, that sounds cool. But that's not humanly possible. That is impossible. Let me tell you something. Nothing is impossible for God. Yeah, it's not easy, but it's not impossible. Matthew 26 says, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. God said, you know what? Pay attention. Focus on this stuff. You know, don't just live life and, and go with the flow. Watch and pray. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Last Sunday, I went for a drive with my family. My boys love tall buildings. And so if I just drive them through downtown and they're like, wow, look at that big building. You know, they're looking at all that stuff. And then they pass out in the car, which is always great. You know, and so we're driving around. And um, on our way home, we're on I-95. We're on the Golden Glades. We're merging into the A-26. And this little Toyota Prius cuts us off. All right. And, and man, it cuts us off where I had to break and like, you know, we almost got into an accident. And I got upset. I'm not going to lie. I got mad and I, I stepped on the gas and I wanted to catch up to this tiny Toyota Prius. And as I approached it, I got next to it. I didn't pass it. You know, I, I slowed down and I'm, I'm like mad dogging the 21 year old little girl driving the tiny Toyota Prius. And then the Holy Spirit, I mean, my wife began going, Mark, 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 and, and I'm not a violent guy. I wasn't going to do anything. I just wanted to show this little girl in this tiny car that my car was about three times bigger than her car. You know, I just wanted to like boost her adrenaline a little bit, you know. And here's the thing. The truth is this. For some of us, it's even deeper than a little Toyota Prius cutting you off on the Palmetto. There are many of you here today that have cut all modes of communication with certain people in your life. Right now, if I said the name of that person that maybe you've been thinking about throughout the entire message, you'd probably say, I hate them. I never want to talk to them again. There's men here, macho men, that have told someone, hey, if I ever see you in the street again, you're going to regret it. You know, I'll beat you up or I'll knock you out or whatever. Maybe for some of you, it's even deeper than that. You haven't talked to your mom and your dad for a really long time because of something that they did to you, because of how they hurt you in the past. There's brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters, that haven't talked to each other in years because of something that happened. Cousins that you probably avoid like the plague. Friends that you probably avoid like the plague. People that you work with that you can't stand them. When they're 15 minutes late, you're looking, their seat's empty, and you're like, hey, where's Joey? I haven't seen him today, you know? You say it loud enough so your boss can hear it, and maybe he can get in trouble. Or when you hear about the layoff, and, and their name is in the list, you know, something sick inside of you probably smiles a little bit. And you know what? Those feelings will destroy you. 
When you tell someone you hate them, that's poison for your spirit. It's killing you on the inside. First John 3 says this, Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Wow. That's some serious stuff. Oh, but Mark, uh, you know, I know what the Bible says, and, and I'm trying really hard, you know, I'm trying as hard as I can, but, you know, I'm just rebellious. I'm a rebellious person. I've always lived this way. Let me tell you something. Hating your brother, punching someone when they punch you, cutting someone off when they cut you off, not calling your mom and dad for weeks because they upset you, not inviting someone to your birthday, to your friend's birthday, to your wedding, to your kid's birthday because of something they did in the past or because you don't like them. That's not being rebellious. That's being normal. That's what everybody's doing. Turn on the TV. I mean, there's people making millions of dollars on reality TV shows because of people that act that way. I mean, if you don't believe me, turn on The Real Housewives. Turn on The Jersey Shore. You're not rebellious. You're going with the flow. You're acting like everyone else. If you want to be a real follower of Jesus, today Jesus is asking you to go against what the culture is doing. To love those that are persecuting you. Love those that upset you. Love those that are hurting you and that have wronged you in the past. Matthew 5 says, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, punch them in the face. No. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, give them the other one also. All right, Mark. I knew it. I knew it. Christians are wimps. That's what Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to be a bunch of wimps. That's not true. You know what God wants? What God really wants to do is He wants to protect you. God is saying here, let me take care of it. The guy that with his mouth made the sun, made us, made everything, is saying, you know what? I'm bigger and stronger and badder than you. I'm going to take care of those people that are hurting you. I'm going to take care of the ones that have broken your heart, that have made fun of you, that have slapped you around. Let me take care of it. God has your back. God wants to be your bodyguard. God wants to protect your heart. But that's not how we live our lives. You know what we do when people hurt us? We begin to build a wall. And we keep grudges. And we start building a wall between the people that hurt us. We start building a wall between the people that have lied to us and now to justify the way that we're acting, now we start lying because it's a little ridiculous. And so we start, we hate people. We're like, I hate him. I hate what he's done to me. I hate what he said to me. I hate the way that I feel when I'm around her. I hate the thoughts that they bring back. Oh, this is popular. We, one of the first things we do, we unfriend them on Facebook, right? Get rid of them. I don't want to see their status updates. You know what else we do? We're violent. Yeah, we're violent. We throw things. We hit people. We break things. We punch someone's tires. And we get angry. And you know what we begin to do? We begin to build this wall of resentment. All right, and, and it's our way of protecting ourselves. It's our way of protecting our emotions. And we're like, as long as I have this wall up, no one is going to hurt me. He can't hurt me again. She can't hurt me again. And what we're really doing, we're not just building and isolating ourselves away from these people. 
Little by little, we are isolating ourselves from God. And we wonder why. I mean, why isn't God speaking to me anymore? Why don't I feel the same way when they sing that song? Or, you know, maybe i got to find another church. And it's this wall that we're building, this wall of hatred, this wall of resentment against people. And God doesn't want that for us. God wants to be able to speak into our hearts. God wants to be able to minister to us. God wants to be able to heal our wounded heart. God wants to protect you. And yet this wall of resentment, things you've been carrying around for years and years and years. And you're like, when is my life going to change? When are things going to change in my life? It's when you begin to break down this wall of resentment that you've built up around yourself to supposedly protect you, but instead of protecting you, it is suffocating you. And today, I believe that God can do it. And there's three steps that you could take in your life to begin to break down this wall of resentment. And the first thing that you need to do is you need to forgive those that have wronged you. You're thinking like, Mark, don't I need to like talk to God first? Don't, don't I need to like get things right between me and God first? No, you need to forgive those that have wronged you. Matthew 5 says this. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter the place of worship and are about to make an offering, and you suddenly remember a grudge a person has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this person and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. Before you can go to God and ask Him for forgiveness, you have to make things right with that person. You need to forgive those that have hurt you. You need to find peace. You need to seek peace. Oh, but Mark, but they hurt me. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. But yet you've begun to build this wall. It's separating you from them, and it's separating you from God. Once you've asked them for forgiveness, then and only then, you go to God and you ask God to forgive you. Matthew 6 says this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, God is serious about us loving people and us having a relationship with people that he actually, this is like the one thing, you ask for forgiveness and then you better have peace with people. That's why when the, the Pharisees and, and all the religious freaks asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, yeah, love God, but love people too. Love God, but love people too. We cannot be followers of Jesus. We cannot be followers of God if we have anger and we have a wall of resentment up against other people. The next thing, and this is the toughest thing, a lot of us have asked for forgiveness, have forgiven, have prayed to God, and, and we're still wondering why, what's going on, God? And that's because we don't let go. You need to let go. You just need to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to let go. And you ask God, God, help me let go of this. Give me the strength. The Bible says this in Ephesians, Do not be bitter or angry or mad. Never shout angrily or say things to hurt others. Never do anything evil. I mean, never, never, never. This is absolute. 
This is not, okay, sometimes it's okay. I understand he's a jerk. God's not saying that. Never. Be kind and loving to each other and forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ. Guys, I believe if we do those three things and we ask for forgiveness, the wall will come down. You ask that person for forgiveness and the wall will come down. You ask God for forgiveness and the wall will begin to fall down. You let go, okay, because you see there's still part of a wall here. You let go. You know that most of the counseling, and we love counseling people here at our church. A lot of the counseling that we deal with here at church is people that don't let go. People that are getting divorced because they can't let go. People that can't advance in their careers because they can't let go of the past. You know, the Bible talks to us about the children of Israel when they were marching towards the promised land. And they were approaching city after city and involved in certain battles as they were approaching the promised land. They got to a city. There was a giant wall. The city was called Jericho, right? And they, no one could get in or out of the city. And Joshua was trying to figure out how are we going to break these walls down? How are we going to defeat the city? Do we burn it? What do we do? And God says this. He says, march around the city and put the priest in front of the Holy of Holies. All right, in front of the ark. And then the priests are going to sound these horns and, and, and sound these trumpets. And at the sound of that worship to God, everyone's going to shout to the Lord and the walls will come down. And I'm going to ask George to come out. And, and we're going to worship for a little bit. And Pastor John and some of the leaders in our church are actually going to come forward. And, and I believe that this is an area that we need help in all of us. And we're going to ask for prayer and, and, and the pastors and some of the leaders will be down there. I'm going to go down there. If you're here today and you've been carrying this resentment and this anger in your life, God wants that wall to come down. God wants these walls to come down in your life. And some of you, you don't have the strength or you don't know how you're going to make this peace with that person. And so we're here today as the scripture says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Pray together. And we're going to pray together. We're going to weep together, we're going to rejoice together as we worship God and I believe that through our worship and through our prayers, the walls will come down today. And we will begin to live the life that God has designed us to live, a life that's obedient to the scripture. Loving God and loving others, even the ones that have hurt us, that have cut us deep. Those that we haven't talked to in years. Those that upset us last night, this week. God wants us to live at peace. So if you need prayer, if there's something that you need prayer for in this area of anger, this area of resentment, we're here for you. We want to pray for you. Dear God, we come before you now, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've done here this morning, for what you did in the first service, and what you're doing even in the hearts of those that stayed in their seats, God. God, I'm sure that there was couples that asked for forgiveness as they were sitting there. Moms and dads, 
kids that probably hadn't hugged their parents in a long time. Hugging. And I pray for the work that's going to continue in our hearts as we strive to be more like you. As we allow, as we allow love to tear down these walls that divide us from our brothers and our sisters, from our friends, and ultimately these walls that divide us from you, God. I pray that you would not allow us to build these walls up anymore. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.